Hey, this is Jay. Before we start the episode, I wanted to share some really exciting news. Calibra was just named a leader in the 2023 Forrester Wave Report for data governance solutions. If you don't know what the Forrester Wave is, it's essentially a guide for us buyers considering options for software. If you want to get to know Forrester a bit better, go back and check out our recent episodes with Raluca Alexandru and Michelle Getz from Forrester. I love these conversations. We had a total blast. And I can't resist making a plug here either. To learn more about the report, go to Calibra.com slash data download dash Forrester Wave dash DG. And we're going to put all of that in the show notes as well, so that it's easy for you to navigate to them and check out those reports. All right, back to the show. This is the Data Download, your guide to upping your game when it comes to managing and accessing data in your organization. For Calibra, I'm your host, Jay Millich. Digital transformations. Many of us have been part of those initiatives. You know, they're really important to every organization. And of course, data is going to be at the heart of any good digital transformation story. Today, we have a guest with us, right, to get into why it's an important topic and what kinds of benefits it brings to your organization and to your customers and partners. My name is John Yell from DTCC. I've been at DTCC for 28 years in all sorts of roles in data management. Currently, I'm part of the enterprise data management team responsible for data governance and uh, program management. So tell us a little bit about DTCC. What, well, what does DTCC stand for? Why don't we start there? So Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation is uh, you know, what that acronym means. And um, DTCC is actually celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. It actually started as part of kind of a, a spinoff from the New York Stock Exchange way back when to um, deal with the paper crisis on Wall Street. You know, so there was a day when physical certificates were the way things moved. And so because of uh, the need to you know, sort of get the certificates from one brokerage firm to another, it was very limiting, right? And so you literally had people driving around with steam boxes in lower Manhattan to give people what they bought at the end of the day. That's one of the reasons DTC at the time, 1C, was created. You know, to immobilize those right. physical certificates, storm in a vault, you know, leading to, you know, again, we, I know we're going to talk about, you know, digitization a bit, but even very early days of digitization to, you know, introduce book entry type processing of those the securities. Those certificates were, you know, evidence of ownership. So now you can sort of take that into the digital realm. Lots of things, you know, transpired from that. The volumes you see in processing in the markets today, you know, wouldn't be possible without those advances. And then, you know, that led to DTCC's mission. It's, it's risk mitigation, it's efficiencies for the market. You know, so we are that uh, primary um, post-trade market infrastructure globally, you know, where we really um, automate, centralized, and standardized processing for the financial markets. So basically, you make what the markets do so ultimately wind up happen. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right, right. The market does what the market does, and then it results in paper or virtual paper, uh, digital paper that, that you're processing, storing, and moving around. Yeah, because what I used to say, like I said, I've been here 28 years, but when I first joined DTC, I would talk to people about the company and what I do, and no one had any idea. None. You know, um, and so I would often you know, end up saying, yeah, we're the most important company you've never heard of. The, the stuff that makes the headlines, the things that happen in the markets don't happen without us. So it's, again, it's a Critical infrastructure, it um, just makes the, the capital markets very efficient. And again, manage the risk in those markets is central as well. 
And it's funny, at your founding, during uh, the paper crisis, uh, right, you've been on a digital transformation for the past 50 years has really uh, been that quest, huh? Yeah. And that's, you know, it's interesting, too, because, you know, you think about sort of the hot topics, right, you know, that, that come and go in the industry. When you look at the um, effort, right, and the transformation from a digital point of view today, it's, it really is more of an evolution with lots of things impacting how that evolution progresses, right? So technology is a key aspect of that. You know, even all the way down to you know the um, commercial world of things like smartphones and people getting used to doing things in, in a digital way are part of that. But the one thing I, again, it might reflect my bias, but I always say in my mind, that digital equals data. Digital equals data, and, yeah, And so exactly. when you have yeah. something in the digital realm, you know, means you're sort of creating things in data or you're bringing, representing things in data that ultimately um, you know, need to be done well. It's for whatever that, you know, the need is, whatever the service service you're delivering or whatever process you're executing, lots of different factors. And it's um the complexity of it is, you know, it's back to what we for a period of time talked about the three Vs, the volume, the velocity, and the variety of data. And that hasn't changed. You know, we sort of talk about it differently, but right. volume's not slowing down. You know, the velocity, the speed, and the variety of, of the data that we bring into the digital world is is just increasingly it only goes up. Yep, only up. I was kidding around when I said you've been on this 50-year journey of digital transformation since DTCC started. Uh, But what got us together was there there really is a formal digital transformation initiative going on right now. So, you know, I was looking through the DTCC site. There's a lot of services that you folks are responsible for and all your subsidiaries. So what does a digital transformation mean to you? What are you you leading uh, the the org through? Uh, You know, and why just start it? There's, again, so many different uh, angles to consider here. You know, one way mm-hmm. you can try to describe it is you get the inward view of digital transformation and the outward view. And you know, with DTCC, it's like being that infrastructure type firm. The inward view is really just the way the company operates. Because the other thing I didn't say earlier, as far as the history of DTCC, I started at the company with one C, now I work for the company with two Cs. But how we you added another C. <laughs> right? How we got there was um, you know, the industry drove consolidation. And so we at one time we had the central securities depository DTC, we had the equities clearinghouse NSCC, we had the government securities clearinghouse, the mortgage-backed securities clearinghouse, and they all came together. And and so the, the byproduct of that, and this isn't you know, unique to our company and any company that goes through these types of mergers has to deal with it is that you, you still have vestiges of what existed in those firms. The, the word legacy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Legacy. We can go with legacy. Yeah. Um, classic. Or we can call it classic. Oh, too. there you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so again, from an inward point of view, you know, there's huge opportunities, you know, via digital transformation to rethink basically how you build the company. You don't have the opportunity to say, hey, you know, let's start from scratch, but you want to think about if you were to do it today, what would you do differently? And so that is, you know, just again, the general way you operate, including the technical aspect of it that is supports the processes that, you know, need data at the end of the day. And so there's um, immense opportunity, again, to reimagine it. So you gave us two views of what a digital transformation is, an internal view and an external view, right? And that internal view given that you've merged a whole bunch of different other companies together, uh, combining classic, a third C, mm-hmm. uh, processes and, and all of that, technologies together. And it just, over time, that just builds up more and more, let's, you know, maybe baggage, technical baggage yeah. over time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and this, this transformation lets you reimagine how to run more efficiently, I guess, mm-hmm. right? Let's talk about 
uh, more of the why, like the benefits, maybe even are there any kind of quantifiable impacts that you can speak to that you're seeing so far? Actually, we didn't really talk about how how long it's been since this digital transformation journey uh, uh, has been since you started, but are you thinking about impacts and, and measuring that impact improvement as you make progress? Yeah, there's always the need to do that. And, you know, it hasn't been underway. It's very, very, very early days on this. And something I didn't say before that's worth, I think, touching on too is this type of work, when you look for, at it externally for a company like DTCC, is where you start to see the really interesting things and the real opportunities. So what I talked about in the internal view, you could you know, talk to any firm in any industry, like I said, that's gone through these types of mergers and they you know, would see the opportunities there. But because we sit in the middle of so much that happens in the markets, and then you start to think about really rethinking some of this driven by technology advancements, what can you do, again, from a data point of view that um, eases the sharing of data? Right. The financial services industry doesn't produce a product that you can put your hands on. The products that are bought, sold, risk managed, and so on are all represented in data. Part of what's grown up organically is that data moves around a lot. Yeah. Starting with you know any individual who might trade, you know, today they're going in and they're again creating data about a trade. It has to make it to an exchange to get traded. And it's gotta, you know, make it through to us to get cleared and risk managed and, and settled. You know, all those different hops of data. It's one of those things that contributes to the volumes of data. But the promise of thinking about it you know, with some of the advancements technologies, where can you sort of minimize the movement? Where can you look at it as, you know, again, similar thinking to what you might do internally is, you know, hey, we don't need to copy this data. Can't we just make it available? So you could also think about the external view along those lines, too, is do we actually always have to move that data? Sometimes you do, but sometimes you may not need to. Driving risk down makes sense quantitatively, you know, not having to move data as much and just provide access to it where it sits. So I would imagine that means just faster results is sort of the the measure there. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. So I think you know, from a quantifiable point of view, you're sort of not rocking the boat, right? But even you know, back to the roots of the company, the need to be able to always be there in the markets, especially when you're in periods of volume and volatility, right? And so it, from a technical point of view, you know, again, just knowing that you, listen, we, we can't predict tomorrow what the volumes might be or what events might trigger crazy volumes and volatility. But we, we have to always be prepared to handle that. Sort of in the capacity planning space, that's part of it. Um, and it's a big factor when you're looking at new technologies, you know, they, whatever it might be, we've got unusual requirements, whether it's you know, from a, a volumes perspective or even from resiliency or reliability perspective um, or from a security perspective. I'm not so much answering your question about what are the quantifiable measures. I'm almost you know, more talking about sort of the high bar we set for what we need to do and how you, you figure out, again, you know, where there's change that's justifiable, that you, you go about that in a way that you're confident, no, we can meet that high bar, is, is the, the way we look at it. You're clearly in a very highly regulated industry, right? Why don't you define data governance for you, you know, for your organization? What, what does that mean? How is that being applied in this digital transformation? And let's get into that a little bit. Yeah, so what we think of as governance, and it's consistent, you know, with definitions across the industry, but it's really the policies, procedures, standards that you, you need to put in place that kind of serve as the guardrails to drive the practices that you think are required to do the best job possible around managing data. And sometimes it's even tricky to define governance without talking about defining data management, right? 
say, so governance is one component of you know lots of other things that happen in the data space. You know, all the way through acquisition or creation of data, you know, t- through destruction, and at the technical levels, all the tooling you need to make sure that you can again make sure the data meets the requirements. Right, that's again driven by governance, but it's more into the data quality practice space. And actually, an important part of data management, something that's probably underestimated, is um, and governance can help with this in a couple of ways, is the cultural change, right? So just a, a bit more history, too. For our data management program at DTCC, we, we've been at it formally for about seven years. Right, right. It, it, you know, it's, it doesn't imply that there weren't lots of activities around data management prior to that, but we set off to actually you know, be more comprehensive and robust from a data governance point of view, thinking about it sort of from looking at potentially sort of the risk you're trying to mitigate when it comes to data and, and being very clear on how what's required to do that in a very measured way too, because you, you mentioned we're, we're highly regulated and that's always, again, you know, top line for this. And so that drives priorities. But um, obviously the inventory of data that we have, whether it's, again, via our role in the industry where you know, we have so much flowing through all our services or whether what we have internally to help do a good job of just operating the company, you want to think about how you sort of expand this in the appropriate fashion to make sure that you've got um, everybody doing a good job. It's back to a few of the key things we talked about around potentially you know, minimize movement of data, right? Finding data rather than creating new data. And so it, it all requires this broad set of practices that culturally the firm has to buy into. And it's something we would work towards, we're not there yet by any means, is to try and get people to think about data first. Because one of the reasons um, I think we have a lot of complexity in any firm, and I was included you know, sort of by you know, bringing all these companies together, is that we, we grow up in a function-first way. And again, it's not a criticism. It's just the way things have been done historically. People have to get their jobs done, right? I mean, that's what... Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And we, we, we work well. And with what we have today, we do what we need to do every day. It's back to the, um, the opportunity aspect of it is, is that... You know, so if you sort of push data more to the fore, and I'm not saying replace it necessarily, even though if I had my way, that's what we would do is say, <laughs> no, it's data first, right? It's yeah, data first. Yeah. You know, don't, 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 don't talk about function. Let's talk about data. But you got to get people to agree that, no, let's bring data more up front so that at the end of the day, you can do a good job of managing it, defining it, understanding its quality levels, making sure that the next function that comes along, you know, who has the same need for that data, doesn't go off on their own and create something new. Yeah, and they're thinking about that as a first principle or, you know, or earlier in their journey when they're thinking about their jobs, right? So, you know, I always like to think of it as I've stopped thinking about you need a data culture. It's more about what you just said, which is you, you want to start bringing that thinking, that data literacy into the existing culture, right? You're not going to stop people from doing their jobs. You want to help people to do their jobs through data, right? And that's what you're doing. It's really cool. You know, another thing too, and I don't, I don't know if you've come across this in, in the work you do, is sometimes it's hiding in plain sight because data is so prevalent, right? And it's almost like you got to somehow make it glow, right? So people say, oh, that's the data. Right, because yo, they don't even think of it. It's data. No, it's what I take, and you know, make sure I make it's ready and, and does what it needs to do. It moves through a process. You know, they don't even think of it as data. When all of the services that you offer are all about data, <laughs> in the in the first place, get to the point where the data speaks to us. And say, hey, it's me. I'm data. Right. You know, I'm really important here too. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So look, we we talked about measurable impact of this digital transformation, which is all based around data our reliability, we talked about speed, efficiency, things like that. 
in such a complex organization, you've got a lot going on. How should any organization that's getting going with a digital transformation to take advantage of all modern technology, you know, like where do you start? Well, again, so, so I'll take you the data view as always on this. Um, you want to sort of take an inventory of what you have, right? There's not one way on the forward on this as many, many ways forward. Yeah, because the other truth when it comes to data, it really, in some ways, tells the story of the company. Um, and I would even argue in some ways it even reflects the intellectual property of the company. And so it's important to know what you have yeah. as a basis for figuring out a way forward. And so where, again, it gets complicated is that so you can then sort of even take a greenfield approach, for example, to think about you know, whatever it might is you're reimagining a service or a process and say, yeah, this is the way it should work where we are today. And the hard part comes to say, okay, so and based on that, you get understand your data needs, but everything you have today doesn't go away. And so you got to figure out how you transition that as well. Um, and one of the hard parts there is that, you know, it's sort of um, embedded in what you have today. It reflects a lot of the constraints, current constraints, the legacy constraints, the classic constraints, whatever they might be. And so how do you sort of figure out how you move it forward, right? Carry that asset. Think of it this way is that you've got the inventory of data that needs to come forward into this new digital world. How do you carry it forward in the best way possible? Because the one thing, you, again, you, you want to be very careful about, and again, there's no absolutes here, but you want to leave the constraints behind as best you can, Right if they are going to get in the way of what you sort of think is that yeah, this is the, the new and improved way we go forward. Right. Especially, and look, you started off by, uh, by telling us, you know, it gives you an opportunity, the digital transformation gives you an opportunity to think about, you know, if we were to start this company from scratch now, what would it look like? And there, and there you go. You start thinking about those constraints and maybe put them aside for a moment while you're thinking about what that new, new future could be. Although being in the regulated world, you are those constraints. Some of them are not movable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, and it's, and it's a great point because yeah, you know, that's that high bar that gets set for us, right? And it's even you know, the one thing that you asked about too is around you know, how do you innovate in that environment, right? And I and the way I would look at it too is you have to innovate. So it's not so much as you know how or if. No, you have to because it's um, right. right. The necessity is the you know, mother of innovation twist on the invention thing of it. And, you know, those constraints that come from, you know, compliance and regulatory, you know, that's a, that's a need, right? Yeah, yeah, you have to. And so how do you innovate to meet that need? The, the challenges that you get faced with as a very simple example is what I mentioned before is we want to make sure is do the best you can to be more nimble than we have been in the past, right? How do you go there and, and be more nimble without sacrificing, you know, with, with still meeting the need of whatever those guardrails might be? And in a lot of ways, it's opportunity too. Because what, what happens, you know, and we actually have done this internally as well, is you have a requirement that gets dropped in that, you know, didn't exist when things were built. But now you have to figure out a way to meet it. And sometimes that contributes to the complexity. So now as you go forward, trying to craft this in this data-first way where you're more nimble, and as these new requirements, whatever it might be, get dropped in, you have the opportunity to be in a better position to meet them more effectively. And that's your innovation right there. That's the innovation, right? All right. Well, we just went through a lot with John and, you know, we could do a whole other episode with John. There's much more I want to get into. But to start it off, why are digital transformations so important? You know, I got one word for that, and that's opportunity. They're all about creating efficiencies, streamlining, automating, things like creating self-service capabilities for your fellow workers and also for customers, stakeholders, and things like that. To do all of that, it's all about data. 
some of the outputs of your transformation are going to be more data, right? And once you really get rolling on your transformation, that's, that's a positive feedback loop. And it becomes increasingly powerful and valuable over time. Next, for companies who are heavily regulated, there are a lot of uh, must-haves regarding data. And additionally, in John's case, availability. I like how he phrased it. He said, we always have to be there. You know, those regulations, they can often be thought of as, well, processes that can slow us down. And when you're in the midst of a digital transformation, that can feel like an obstacle because you're trying to go fast. But here's the amazing transformational idea that I heard. And it's all about how the modern tech at our disposal streamlines data governance capabilities. And even those regulations can inspire a lot of ideas and opportunity. John gave us an example of uh, reducing compliance risk revolving around that data movement by instead using modern approaches to share data where it resides instead of having to move it all around. That's a triple win, right? Because the business gets some speed and efficiency, you're lowering risk, and you get better outcomes through data. I love the story of constraints-inspired creativity. Love it. I'm a huge Beatles fan, right? And in their days, uh, they were making records like Sgt. Pepper's on a four-track machine. That's all that existed then. But they needed more. So they engineered ways to combine three tracks to one, even to hook up two of those four-track machines together and sync them up. I think they had a pencil holding the tape between the two machines. I think that's how they did it. So think about that orchestra part in A Day in a Life. That was on two machines synced together. They had so many ideas like that. This was innovating their way out of a box to create something amazing. That is the type of cool stuff that John's doing at DTCC with data and technology transformations. And we can all learn something from that. For Calibra, this is the Data Download. I'm your host, Jay Melichera, and I'll see you next time. Want even more insight into managing your data? Visit Calibra.com slash podcast for additional resources on the topics covered in our show. Be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a new episode. And a five-star review certainly doesn't hurt our chances with the algorithm. It's all about the algorithm, isn't it, folks? It's a great way to help us reach new listeners, and we truly do appreciate your support. The Data Download is a production of Calibra in collaboration with Stories Bureau.